Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David and Isaac. This is Hoop Ball Grizz. And we're going back to Salt Lake City with our back in the corner. Our back. Isaac and I aren't really going to Salt Lake City. The Grizzlies are going to Salt Lake City with their back in the corner. After losing game four in Memphis, that was a phenomenal game, man. I th- There are things that I did not care for during the game, but I'm not going to be too harsh on them as far as the Grizzlies because they it was not lack of effort. There were some defensive lapses overall, but just a phenomenal effort from these guys last night. The Jazz are just the better team. Yeah, and I got into that conversation last night a lot on Twitter. There were a lot of Grizzly fans just bashing them last night, saying we're terrible, our our defense is terrible. And I think a lot of times people get out of perspective with things. I mean, you have to understand, this is a one-versus-eight matchup. I mean, the, the Utah Jazz are number one seed for a reason, and they put pressure on your defense. I mean, that's what what they do. I mean, they haven't they hit 17 threes last night, and people are complaining about the three-point shooting by them. I mean, they average 16 made threes a game during the season. I mean, this is what they do. They don't just do this against the Grizzlies. They do it against everybody, and they their offense is schemed around getting these shots. And, I mean, I, I, you can play better defensively, but it, it's tough. I mean, when, when you have Rudy Gobert, out there setting screens the way he's able to set screens and these guys moving around their, their offense is schemed around getting these open shots. And it, it's tough because uh, you have to pick your poison outside of Gobert and favors everybody on this team and their rotation can knock down threes. And it just puts so much pressure on your defense. And even a lot of times when you're playing good defense, you still end up giving up a, a pretty good look. And that's just what we saw last night. But I mean, this, this team played hard. I mean, I had no problem with the effort last night, at the end of the day, the Jazz are just the better team. I mean, you just have to tip your hat. And when in the postgame press conference, when you kind of listen to the guys, you listen to what Ja was saying, he's basically saying that, I mean, we're just going to go out there and do what we do. I mean, there's not much that we can change now at this point. It, it just kind of is what it is. We're going to go out there and play our game. That's what we do. We'll see what happens. And, I mean, that's just kind of what it is. I mean, the, I, I feel like the Grizzlies played well last night. Again, I just think in the end, Utah was just a little bit too much for them. Yeah, you know, the thing with the Utah offense, just like you said, outside of Favors and Gobert, everybody on that team can shoot the three. Whether it's Yang, Clarkson, O'Neal, Ingles, you know, the outside of the center, every other player, all four of the other guys on the floor can knock down a three. And the Grizzlies done a great job rotating they 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 did get in trouble over helping and and that's where the open threes came from. Yeah. And I could see where people could, you know, bash the defense because of that. It's it's a a breakdown. There was a play it was near the end of the game in the fourth quarter the Grizzlies were within 4 points. Uh somebody missed a shot, offensive rebound, kick back out to Mike Conley, he makes a three. Grizzlies are down 7. 
go down the floor, empty possession, Grizzlies don't score, come back, and it's almost the same thing, except it wasn't Conley this time. They come back down the floor, the Jazz shoot, miss it, get an offensive rebound. Actually, hold on. Bojan Bogdanovic, he shoots a wide-open corner three from somebody overhelping. Yeah. They, the Jazz get yep. the offensive rebound, and then – and then he shoots another wide open three from the corner. He shot two wide open threes. And so I could see if you, I think what happens is fans, when we're watching the game, we notice, we know when this, the, the plays happen that swing the game. So when Bojan made that three and, and the Jazz go, it goes from a four-point lead to two possessions later, the Grizzlies are down 10 with two minutes to go in the game. People started leaving the forum at that time. We as fans know when the game swings. And those are the plays that stick out to us. You miss the fantastic play on defense. You know, Jaron and his drop defense – was something Phenomenal. of beauty, man. Like yeah. he, he would be up. There, there was one play in particular, and I think Jackson Frank tweeted about it. And, and he was talking. He he showed the video. Tyus Jones was guarding Mike Conley, and uh, Jaron was on Gobert. Jaron goes up to pressure the screen, so uh, Conley couldn't shoot the three. Then he's athletic enough to backpedal to deny the entrance paths to go bare. And then as Conley's driving down the lane, he contested the layup. So there are a lot of great things that this team done defensively. They are just outmanned and overmatched. And, and that is, you know, one V eight that's to be expected. There, there's a lot of great young talent on this team. We've got a lot to look forward to. And it sounds like we're being apologists for the, the franchise, but I, I saw a guy on Facebook, so it's time to hand out some pink slips. This team choked in the playoffs. <laughs> really? there, is, there, there is no choking in this, in this series. I mean, even you're, if you're they the had got swept, seed. that's what I said. Even if they had got swept, was they were supposed to. If you look at Vegas, the Grizzlies have been a significant underdog in every game in this series. I mean, there was really no choking. Unless they won this series, they were losing every game by 20. Then I could see what you were saying. But they're not, they've been in every one of these games. I mean, they fought tooth and nail, and it, it just. I hated it because I felt like they played really well last night. And, I mean, it was just Utah just making shots, man. I mean, it, yeah. and eventually it gets – and someone asked y'all about this, that it doesn't get demoralizing at, at times. And I, and I think the, the Utah offense, it, it's they have you in scramble mode pretty much the whole game. I mean, you just ping-ponging around trying to try to card different guys. And, again, it's just tough. I mean, it looks easy. We, you can sit there on the sideline or at home watching on TV – and say, oh, well, man, they, that, that's a blown assignment there. It's, but it's tough when you're out there actually trying to guard these guys. I mean, they put so much pressure on you because, again, they have so many snipers out there. It is just hard. It, eventually, they're going to find a way to get one of these guys open. It just seems like throughout this series, they've just nailed every one of these. Anytime you make a mistake, and that was kind of the theme last night in the press conference, anytime you make a mistake, this team makes you pay for it. I mean, mm -hmm. they haven't let the Grizzlies off the hook seemingly at all during this series. Every the time the Grizzlies make a mistake, it, yeah, that, other than the first it. game, yeah, I mean, every time the Grizzlies make a defensive mistake, it's a three-pointer. I mean, and it's mm -hmm. this team. This, I mean, this team is re really, really good. I mean, it's just and that's the end of the story. I mean, it's not that these guys are giving. I saw a lot of people even doing a run last night saying that I don't like the effort in this game, and I just I'm like, 
we must be watching different games right now because the effort is not the problem. I mean, these guys yeah. are playing playing their, their ASS off right now, and I mean, it's just Utah is just better. And, I mean, again, I just kept telling people that last night people were just freaking out, losing their minds. Like, this is a game where the Grizzlies were favored by 10, and, like, we were going back to the Oklahoma City game that they lost shorthanded, and we are wondering what's going on here. This is not that. This team is fantastic, and, I mean, they're the number one seed for a reason, and it seems like people forgot that a little bit last night. Yeah, you know, you go down, you look at their roster, and and pretty much everybody not named Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert made multiple threes last night. Bojan made three. Royce O'Neal made three. Donovan Mitchell made two. Mike Conley made three. Jordan Clarkson made four. And uh, Yang made two. Uh, Joe Ingles was the only non-center player to not make multiple threes. It's just tough to overcome that. We talked about uh, pre-game the things the Grizzlies need to do in order to win this game, and and, th- and they, they pretty much they, did them. Yeah, you know, like the, you would like to see the Grizzlies make a couple more threes to close yeah. that gap a little bit. But even let, let's say, I, I would say it was seven. The the Jazz oh, made seven. seventeen. Yeah. If the Grizzlies made twelve threes, that would be, um. I would think that the coaching staff would be okay with that. that yeah, split. Plus, plus five is kind of, I think it's kind of yeah. that line where you want, I think they were plus six last game. And I kind of said that was okay with the, the mouse scoring them in the paint by 20. But yeah, mm-hmm. plus five, I think somewhere right in there is kind of where you wanted seven is a bit too many, even though that puts them plus 21. The Grizzlies outscored them. Where's the paint points? By 24 points in yeah. the paint. So, I mean, they made up for that deficit just like they did in game three. And again, and I said this after game three, you look at this box score. And the Grizzlies, for the most part, did what you would like to see them wanted them to do. I mean, rebounding, uh, they tied them in rebounds. Both both had seven offensive rebounds, so they tied there, which is, I mean, you go up against a team that has Gobert, that that's pretty good. I mean, if you can tie yeah. them in rebounding, you just look down at box score. I mean, they outshot them. Uh, Grizzlies forty three of ninety two for forty six point seven percent. Utah thirty nine of eighty five for forty five point nine percent. So, I mean, Grizzlies went there. I mean, the free throw line is kind of the, the kind of a glaring difference here, where. Utah, yeah. I think it's plus eight, and they lost the game by seven. I mean, you hate the harp on officiating. There were some questionable calls in this game, and it, I mean, that's just something that you're going to deal with when you're a smart market team. I mean, I'm not going to get into conspiracies or anything like that because yeah, a lot of times man. these things even out. But, I mean, there, there are some questionable calls and things that go against the Grizzlies in games There like was this. really, really only one to me that was – it got reviewed. Jenkins challenged it. Yeah, and I was and glad I to see still, that. The, there is nothing yeah, that anybody can ever say to me like that, that's going to convince me that that was a foul. DB done everything that he should have done. He contested the shot. Donovan Mitchell, when he came down, he stuck that leg out. If yep. he goes up and straight back down, DB is not in his landing zone. There was no contact at the top of the shot. If, if anything, it's no an offensive foul. Yeah. If, you know, if when, when he sticks his foot out, that's what it's supposed to be. But Donovan Mitchell knows how to play the system because he's an excellent player, and he got the call. You, you're going to have that, and the these players know that. They, you, know, you don't want that to be the case, but you know there's going to be things that are outside of your control, and, and that was really – there were some other things that were you know close that maybe shouldn't have been a whistle, but – Overall, I think that one call was really the only thing that was a significant missed call. You know, well, I didn't well, go well, back and look at the two-minute report to see if there was anything that they missed. But you know, e- even if you take that three away right there, 
it, it's still, you know, you're 117 to 113. Yeah. It's a four-point game. And, and I know, like, what it does mentally to the guys on the floor and, and momentum and all of that. Like, there, there's a lot of things that go into it. But it, officiating, to me, did not cost the Grizzlies this game. I'm, I'm not oh, on that. Mood. No, no. But, but one of my things about officiating is when I get – it's not so always so much of – the calls going against the Grizzlies being bad. It's like if you see this call, what do you how do you think that call will go on the other end? And that's kind yeah. of my yeah. thing with it. I just think some some calls that go against the Grizzlies, I think Utah, you'll see some things that they do, they get away with certain things, and the Grizzlies couldn't do that same thing and it would be a foul on the other end. That's kind of my deal with it. But no, I don't I don't think officiation officiating calls them this game at all. I mean, I mean you you can look back, you can always go back and say, Oh well, they hadn't made that call, just like you just said, the momentum might have with the Grizzlies way, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, there's overall, a lot of, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of things that could happen, but that, yeah. that didn't cost them the game last night. No, a lot, lot of ifs and buts in that for sure. The, there was one, one call Dylan Brooks drove to the basket and I could see him on the way back down the floor. Um, he's like, you're calling that on the other end. You're calling that on the other end. And you know, he was, he was letting the official have it knowing, Hey, you know, if you're going to call it on us, you need to call it on them as well. And, and that's, that's just the nature of officiating, man. For as long as sports has, has been a thing, there's been officials that miss calls. They're, they're, you go back and you look at their percentages of the calls that they make at the speed that this game is played at and how many they get right as opposed to how many they miss. And, and it's amazing what those guys do, guys and gals. There's, there's a number of female officials not, not attempting to leave them out. But you know what, what they're able to do at this level it is incredible, but it, it's just so we, we see it as fans. It's glaring when they miss something that's in a pivotal point of the game. Yeah, man. And, and just to look, look back at the game last night, you kind of touched on it uh, a, a little bit earlier, Jaron Jackson jr. Man, his drop defense. I mean, especially in, in that second half, I mean, he was fantastic. And I saw again, a lot of fans getting on him last night, despite him scoring 21 points, they just look at the three pointers, which, I've even said I, I would like to not see him shoot as many threes. I mean, he just didn't have a three-point shot. But defensively and tangible-wise, and even still put up 21 points despite him missing going uh, 3 of 10 from three. I mean, still played and up a phenomenal rebounds. game. I mean, yes, the, the six rebounds, and assists, and a steal. Efficient, 9 of 18 from the field overall. I mean, he was fantastic. I mean, this is two games in a row where, especially on the defensive side, he looked like old Jerry. Uh, and, I, and I think that's a good sign positive side going into the rest of the series, however long the rest of this series season lasts, going into the offseason into next year. I think you seeing these things from him because I, I feel like the three-point shot's going to fall. I mean, I, I'm not worried about that. I've seen enough of a sample size to know that he's a good shooter, and, and, and that'll come when he gets his time and back getting workouts over the summer. He'll, he'll be shooting threes at a, at a pretty good clip again next year. I have no doubt about that, but that's a really good thing that, and something that I took from this game that he's going to be okay going forward because, I, I mean, the defensive – and, and intangible other things that he was doing, getting to the basket, uh, just doing a lot of a lot of good things, even things that you're not going to see in the stat sheet. It's good to see him doing those things. And and, and that vein, man, welcome back, DeAnthony Melton. Uh, he's been man. on a, 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 a missing person poster for for about a month now, but I mean, he came back in a a big way last night, man. Just went on a, a kind of a personal run there, and I mean, he looked like April DeAnthony Melton, man. So I was glad to see him back. I'm I'm gonna take 100% full credit for that, and I'm gonna <laughs> tell you why. 
right before, so De'Anthony Melton had missed two wide open threes. They, they came down the floor, made a cut, they swung the ball over to him, and he had plenty of time to get it off, and, and he just clanged them. And I tweeted out, I'm like, it feels like it's been two months since Melton has made a wide open three. And dude, like right, I mean, it wasn't 30 seconds after I hit send on that tweet, he made his first three and started going on that run. And I'm like, on cue, bro, live <laughs> on cue. And so, you know, obviously I had absolutely nothing to do with that. But <laughs> it, it was really, really good. And and the energy in the forum, whenever he went on that streak, man, it was it was crazy. The energy in there all night was incredible. But when when he hit that hot streak and he was bringing the Grizz back into it there, man, it, the, the fans were going nuts. Man, I was gonna I mean, say same, same. I was gonna say same here. I tweeted, and I, I was killed. I was like, man, Deontay Melton's not giving you anything. I mean, you could put Justice Winslow in there as a defensive mercenary. I mean, if he's not gonna give you anything offensively, you can't say, well, you put Winslow in, you lose an offense. And I even tweeted out when he went on a run. I was like, um, that that he must have been checking in on my tweets, um, and <laughs> saw what I was saying on Twitter because uh, he came in and went on that run. But um, yeah, man, it, it, it was good to see. And again, man, you just hope. What we're seeing, what we saw there is more of what the real thing is, but probably somewhere in between. But again, man, he, he had been so bad for so long, and I was really good, good to see him break out like that in, in, a, in a big game and really help bring the Grizzlies back in this game. So, so I'm glad you, you brought up Winslow. We're, we're heading, the Grizzlies are heading back to Utah. They play the Jazz on Wednesday in Salt Lake City, back at elevation. Do I don't suspect that we're going to see any massive changes in the rotation from Taylor Jenkins. And that is not a cheap shot at him. He's done great as far as making adjustments in this series. Um, Doubts that I've had on him have kind of went away a little bit because of things that he's been doing in this series. But do you think that that's what it's going to take? Do you think if they shake it up and say add Justice Winslow to the rotation. You know what he can do, you know, like you know what he can do defensively. We know that he's a liability on the offensive end. Do you think that that defense because one of the lineups that and and I haven't looked I'm sorry, excuse me. I haven't looked it up to see what the numbers are, but a lineup that you see Jenkins using is Jaron or or JV with four guards out there. There were there have been a couple times when you you would have Dylan at the four. So it'd be uh, Ja, Grayson, Dylan, Bain, and Jaron, or you know something of that nature. Do you think a, a big shakeup? If you're playing a four guard set and you have Justice Winslow out there, his length, his ability to defend, is that going to be enough to to sway it? Do you feel like that he could make enough of an impact to? Uh, to be worth putting out there? Um, I mean, I, I do. And I, I, I suspect that if it was going to happen, I think I know their backs against the walls is going into game five. And, and that could be a game where you just kind of try some different things to see, see what works out of desperation. But I, I don't think we see it. I think if we would have saw it, we would have seen it by now. But I, I actually do. And, and I thought there were times in the series, especially when you see DB in foul trouble, I thought you could still some minutes with him to kind of protect Dylan from, from fouls. I think his length and his athleticism, especially with size-wise, you look at these guys like Bogdanovich and, and Royce O'Neal, I think these are guys that defensively, I think he fits 
the model of, of the type of guy that you'd like to have on them. And it, it just kind of surprises me that he hadn't went to that, especially before what we saw from Melton in the second half last night. I just thought Melton before then wasn't giving you anything. And, and I just thought you look at defense what you need. I mean, you're struggling. They're getting these wide open threes. You look on your bench and like you have this six 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 seven guy there, long uh, mm-hmm. link wise. They can play defense. Why haven't you deployed him? That's kind of I don't know if it, I don't know if they would have won the game. I don't know if that would have made that big of a difference. But I definitely think there were some some opportunities for him to deploy him. I think maybe they just decided decision that made the decision as an organization that they were just done with the Winslow situation for this year. They're just not going to do it. I don't know, but I think there was some, especially those games where DB was in foul trouble. I thought you could really use them. To, to steal some minutes. I mean, he, you, you don't need him to score offensively. This team has been fine. I mean, and again, you've had yeah, Grayson. Yeah. There were times where Grayson and Melton were out there. They weren't giving you anything offensively. And, and I felt like Winslow defensively could have been a little bit of a difference maker in those spots. But again, I, I would be surprised. I think if, if we were going to see it, I think we would have seen it by now. But I definitely think it could help. And if it was me, I think I would have used it for some five minutes at times in this series. So one thing that they done in the second half last night, coming out, John Morant was matched up against uh, Donovan Mitchell defensively, and, and I wasn't a big fan of that. Uh, Sean Coleman and I were sitting there talking, and I'm like, man, I don't know that this is the defensive matchup that uh, that we want to see. And Sean made a great point. He said, I don't disagree with that, but you've got to do something to keep Dylan in this game Dylan, because yeah. the Grizzlies have got to have Dylan in this game. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I understand it. And the thing is, Ja has been, you know, pretty bad on the defensive end. Not as bad as some people make it out to be, but pretty rough on the defensive end. But when he's put in effort, I I go back to the first win of last season against the the Nets at home. Last possession. Playoff Kyrie. He, he was he was guarding Kyrie Irving, one of the shiftiest guys in the NBA. Like, I would say the best handles. I can't think of anybody that can handle the ball better than him right now. And John Moran held his own, blocked his shot to send the game into overtime, and then Jay Crowder comes down, makes the three. Grizzlies get the first win. It was incredible. So he has shown flashes, even outside of that game. That's going back a ways there. But even outside of that game, he's shown flashes that that he can be at least a serviceable defender. And I I don't know, man. If this is not the time, like if you're not going to step up right now, are you ever going to step up? And that's the, I, I feel kind of crazy saying that because I've you know Jaw's been playing phenomenal, but you know like your effort on the defensive end at this point in time of the season, this is when. You've got to give it everything. Yeah, I, I don't think he'll ever be a plus defender. I mean, I I, I just don't don't see it. But I, like you said, there are times like when he gets fired up and, and he gets in and he has it going offensively. There are times where he picks up and aggressive. And I've seen him play really well uh, defensively. There was a stretch this year I can't rem- can't remember exactly what it was and, uh, in a couple games where he was <clears throat> excuse me, man, struggling with the voice tonight. Uh, where he was pretty really pretty good defensively. When you see him put in an effort, you've seen him look even more than serviceable defensively. And it, it is, it is. I mean, like you said, if you're not going to step up on O'Day in the floor right now, I mean, when are you going to step up? And again, I, I don't think he'll ever be a plus defender, but I think he has the potential to be at least passable uh, defensively. And I think that's a, a step that you need to see from him. Other than uh, outside of him 
uh, being a better shooter, I think that's kind of the other area where you'd like to see him improve. And, I mean, I think he will. As I, I talk about his work ethic all the time, I, I think he's going to become a better shooter. And I, I, would, I don't see any reason why he won't end up being the best defender, whatever that is, that he can be. Yeah, and I think we've seen that shooting improve just in this season alone. So that that's going to – he's going to continue to put that yeah, work in. Yeah, he's probably going to put a, a, a thousand shots up a day. I wouldn't be surprised this summer. Yeah. He's, he's going to definitely put the work in because I know he hears that criticism of him. And uh, I, I think at times, especially earlier in the season, I think before they figured some things out, I think he was really frustrated with the way teams were guarding him. And I think that's why he kind of continued to work on his shot because I think he knew he needed to do that to open up the rest of his game. So – we saw that he went from like, I don't even know, 23% or something from three into the thir- low 30s uh, in the season. So that lets you know that how much he's worked on that side. He was staying out the games at times, getting threes up. So he'll, 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 keep, he'll continue to improve there. I have no doubt about that. Yeah, you know, I mean, it just he's been electric in this series. So, you know, we're kind of critiquing some of the things that we yeah, like I mean, to see yeah. improve, but he's averaging 31, what, 31 rebounds and, and yeah. almost eight assists a game. So, you know, it's like, what more can you ask from him? And, you know, we, we just, we expect the best and, and he expects the best from himself. You know, he, there's nobody that's harder on John Morant than John Morant himself. Yeah. I mean, you'll see, he could score, he could go out and score 60 points. If they lose, he'd be upset in the press conference. And we, we've talked about that before. He just says it's not enough. And in, in that vein, he means that they didn't win the game. It, it doesn't matter was he scored 60 points. He takes all these honors, the accolades, the youngest player to do this, that first in the playoff games. But he said if they don't win games, none of that stuff really matters. And again, I love that about him because that's a true sign of a leader. I mean, he would be he could go out there and score four points. If they win the game, he'd be excited. And that's what you want from your leader. I mean, he's not worried about going out there padding his stats. He wants to win. And I, I love that. I think we have a lot of guys on this team that are like that. And for, he's gonna be the leader of this team. And for him to feel like that, I think that's what you what you want to see. And, and I, I love it. I love his attitude. Um, you see a lot of guys after their team lose, they come into press conference. You can see when they lose games, he's visibly upset. And, I mean, he cares. And, again, I think most of these guys on this team do. Of All of these guys care. And that's a good sign of a, a team, especially a young team that's mature beyond their years. I mean, that they care all about winning. These guys are not coming out there to try to pad their stats. And, again, I – I just love to see that, and Ja is the leader from that standpoint, and, and again, you love to see it. Yeah, 100%, man. I, I want to talk about something here. I, I saw this conversation, and, and it was from a few different people on different social media platforms, and obviously th- this is not coming, you know, Grizzlies locker room or anything like that, but, you know, we do this show to bring you guys information to talk about stuff and, and try and give you a different look on it, but I've seen a lot of, of discussion about BC lately and where's he at? Why isn't he playing? Um, I, I saw one person saying that playing Kyle Anderson over BC is a fireable offense. Just, just some, some crazy stuff. And I think you've got to understand when you're in a, when you're in a playoff series, you're not going to play 10 guys. If you go back and you look, yeah, they only played nine over, last night. They didn't yeah, even play ten. Go go back and look over the history of the game, from regular season to postseason. When you get into the postseason, you're playing your eight, maybe maybe nine best players, 
And, and I'm not saying that BC is not in the top eight or nine for the Grizzlies, but what he's done this season has not put him in a position to be on the floor right now. So, you know, like the, the, the changes, the mechanical changes to his shot, coming back off the injury, I feel like he just hasn't been 100% all year long. So I, I fully expect to see him bounce back year three. We're going to call this a sophomore slump, and I think that he's going to come back year three and he's going to be strong. And when the Grizzlies make the playoffs next year, I think that there's a great chance that he will be in the rotation. But he has not done anything this season to warrant that. You can't no. go, go – go ahead. No, I was going to say, no, he he hasn't. I mean, you – and they even tried it. You go back to game three, he tried to give BC minutes, and it was rough. Uh, and, and people were making jokes on Twitter, like, you asked for BC, and, and you got him. But, yeah, I mean, he – it was rough. I mean, if, if he's not going to – it is a tough situation, because especially against this Utah team, because we, we talk about Jared at the, at, at the five and, and how he struggled earlier in the series, and BC just doesn't – have the size. I mean, he he's not going to be able to rebound against Gobert and Favors, and I mean, it's it's just a, a rough spot for him. And and I think Cal and even even Tillman, the few minutes that he's gotten, which are not great matchups. Tillman's not a great matchup against Gobert or Favors either. But I think he he brings more to the table, the size wise and strength wise, than BC does. This is a bad series for for BC. And again, if we go back to what Clark was last season, and he would 100% be in a rotation. But if he's not giving you what he gave you offensively, which he, he's been struggling even mm-hmm. with the floater this year, there's just no where for you to play him here. I mean, he's not helping you on the boards. He's too too small to, to really guard anybody defensively in the paint, especially in this series. There's just, I mean, there's just no reason for you to play him. I mean, I hate that because he's been a good, really good player for this team at times. I mean, he was even touted as being untradeable um, at, at times last year, but he just – regressed a little bit this season. Like you said, maybe it's a sophomore slump. Hopefully he gets back to what he was in year one. But this season, he really hasn't been that. And in this series, he just is not a good matchup at all. Yeah, and that's, again, guys, we're not we're not here to, to bash him or, you know, try and downplay what he is or what he means to this franchise because I still think that he is an important part of this franchise moving forward. It's just not there right now. And, you know, the Grizzlies may very well go on to lose this series without him playing. And you can make the argument of, okay, yeah, he's not being productive, but this time out here in these playoff games would have been good for him moving forward. You're not really – it's been a developmental season, but once you make the playoffs, you're playing yeah, your own. Gloves off, yeah. You're playing your best players. It's not about developmental anymore. It's about winning the games. And, and that's what this team is doing. That's what – you know, Coach Jenkins and the staff is doing that. They've done a great job, even though the Grizzlies have come up short. They're down three-one right now. It's just a very, very tough matchup for the Grizzlies, and he he just hasn't done enough. He's not been there. You know, the his consistency is has been terrible this year. He was almost a seventy percent from the field. You know, it, it was stupid how good he was last year. But he's not that player this year, and, and it's tough to let go of that. I, I don't want you to stop being a fan of BC because I'm definitely not. But you got to look at what has he done, and when you get into the playoff times, it's what have you done for me lately more than anything. Yeah, I mean, you, you're you playing the guys that are playing real right now, and, I mean, he was not 
playing well there late in the season. And again, I just think this is Utah of any teams. I think this is a bad matchup for him size wise. I mean, you're going up against Gobert and in favors and straight wise, he just doesn't, doesn't have the size to compete with those guys outside of JV and even JV and his size is struggling with these guys. And you, you bring it in Tillman. Tillman's a little bit bigger and stronger than even BC and there's struggling against Gobert. So it's, just, I think, a bad bad matchup for him. I think if maybe if they were going against Phoenix or, or Denver or some other team, you might see him a little bit more. He might have been a little bit more effective. I just think this is a, a bad matchup for him. And, again, again, they're just – when you look at your top eight, nine, ten guys, I think it's very arguably that he's just not in that top ten right now, especially you said currently the way guys are playing. He's just not in that top, that top ten right now. Yeah, and, and you know Denver is a is a good example. You know he would be Michael Porter Jr. BC would be a good matchup for him. Yeah, he's got the speed, he's got the athleticism. You know he can stay with Michael Porter Jr. And you may see BC get more minutes if the Grizzlies were in a series against. Yeah, them. I definitely think so. But yeah, it's just it's just not there for him right now, and that's that's okay. You know we finish this series out, win, lose, or draw, and go into the off season. Get everybody healthy, reload for next year, and then see what we got. See what happens. He's going to have a complete offseason of not rehabbing. He's going to be able to go into this offseason and get shots up. I pray that they find something that looks more natural to him. And maybe reps will get that. But at the beginning of the season, it looked clanky and robotic. And I'm like, oh, it'll get better with reps. It'll get better with reps. We saw it climb and start to look better. And then it just kind of went away. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know what happened there, but it, it just has not looked natural for him at all. It just it looks weird. So hopefully he's able to figure that out going into next season because it's affected his free throw stroke, his three-point shot, and even his little bunnies around the rim that he just was not missing last season. Yeah, well, one thing I well, one thing I do want to touch on. This is completely changing base here. Uh, me and you both were we were in the the Utah presser before the game last night uh, for, with Coach Quinn Snyder, and I was really impressed. I mean, he gets this rap of people saying he looks like a James Bond villain, and it, it, it surprised me. He's very thoughtful in his response. It's like a lot of times, and this is no knock on Taylor Jenkins. A lot of times Taylor Jenkins gives you the, the quick coach, coach speak type responses. Every mm-hmm. question that Quinn Snyder's asked, he goes on like a three to four minute answer. Like I I raised my hand. I was kind of the first person to raise my hand. I knew being in a jazz press conference, I was probably going to get called on last, which is exactly what happened. But uh, I was like, man, he's going to talk so long. They're not going to get to me. Uh, but they, they got to me and I asked him about John Morant and that John had basically been able to, to get to his spot to, and do pretty much whatever what he wanted to offensively for us getting into the lane, and was there anything that they had planned to do to kind of scheme against that? And he I mean, he had high praise of job, basically saying that Jock could get to any spot anytime he wants to, and there's really not much you can do about it. Um, he said that you can try to – it's a five-man effort to try to stop him. You can throw different guys at him. You can throw different looks at him. But if, if you do one thing, he's going to do this to you. If you do another thing, he's going to do this to you. And you basically can't stop him. You just do what you can, and but you're not going to contain him. And I thought that was – very high praise of, of of a guy in his second year. I mean, it was really, really good to hear that coming from someone outside of of, of the Grizz. Um, and and another thing, I asked him about Taylor Jenkins, which they coached together in the G League. Uh, Quentin Snyder was the head coach. Jenkins was a young assistant, and he had high praise of him as well, 
said even at 24, 25 years old, he knew how special he was, the way that he deals with people uh, and the way he talks to his players and, and development-wise that he, he knew very, very early on that he was special and that they kind of developed a special relationship just being in that head coach, assistant coach relationship and talking basketball. So I was really impressed with, with Ken, Quinn Snyder and things he had to say in that press conference. Man, I, I, I like it. Um, and I felt like, again, he gave very thorough answers. You A lot of times you get these coach-speak answers when you talk to coaches, and that wasn't at all what you got from Quinn Snyder. I mean, he elaborated on pretty much every question that he was asked, and I, I was impressed by that. Yeah, yeah, I I did not expect for him to. No, you know, that's when, not when who you, I thought he was. No. Yeah, <laughs> when when you asked that question, I was expecting you know just some sort of maybe five, six, seven word answer, yeah. and and then move on. But uh, that was not it at all. So it, it was impressive to uh, to listen to the stories. I, I enjoyed listening to him talk about Jenkins and, and the stuff that they done. You know, back when they were uh, back in the G League together, and then you know just the the praises for John Morant, man. Great stuff from you know a, a good head coach in the NBA, yeah, man. He, really he's got his team in, in a good position, and you know, as much as I hate it, you know, more than likely they're moving on from this series into round two. I don't know who they're going to face yet, but you know, it, it's you, you've got to credit him and his coaching staff for what they've been able to do against the the, the Grizzlies. JV has not been himself, man. He he has been such a such an important part of this Grizzlies offense and, and just the, the entire scheme of the team and the jazz, you know, 14 and what was 14 and 12. He just has, there's not been a single game where he's really looked like JV in this series. And that is not because he's just playing awful. It's because of go bear and the scheme that Quinn Snyder and his coaching staff has put together to try to stop him. Yeah, out of any out of any matchup in the league, I think Rudy Gobert probably neutralizes JV probably more than than anybody. I mean, and we we make fun of Gobert, said he's soft, he's weak, you hear all these things. But we talked about this last time. Gobert is probably an all time inside defender. I mean, there is no doubt about that. The guy just wrecks what you're trying to do. I mean, you're not going in the paint and scoring. I mean, he changes your, the way you think offensively, and he forces you to do things that you don't normally do. I mean, and, and you talked about this out of all the matchups, the potential matchups that they could have faced. This is the one that would have forced the Grizzlies to make the most adjustments. And a lot of that is simply due to Rudy Gobert. And I see a lot of people saying, oh, well, I was wrong about JV. Now I don't think he's part of this future, blah, blah, blah. And I was telling some people early on Twitter, I, nah, that's not the case. JV is the same guy he's always been. He's just not going up against Rudy Gobert every night. Yeah. Yep. Man, I, I don't really have much else from this game. There were a couple plays that I, I wanted to kind of talk about, and we, we've kind of touched on them. There was one early in the game. Ja Morant had the ball, and Gobert was kind of barreling in behind him, and, and Ja just locked the brakes up and let oh, Gobert man. run him over. And it, just a super high yeah. IQ play from this him. Savvy. Yep. And, and then there was, um, there was a play when Donovan Mitchell was attempting to guard Ja Morant, and he put that dude in a blender. <laughs> man, it, oh, it was nasty. <laughs> like, <laughs> just crazy stuff. And we, we get to sit back and, and watch this night in and night out in Memphis. <laughs> you know, it, it's going to be great. And, and that's what, – what do you legitimately – and it's tough. What do you think a ceiling is for John Morant? Man, that's God, man. I, I don't know. I mean, you still see what he's done in this series. 
I mean, again, there have been times that th this year where he struggled, where he wasn't aggressive enough uh, late in games where we kind of wanted him to, to kind of take over the way we've seen him do. Uh, saw him do it in game one and, and a couple games here, even though they ended up winning. You kind of wanted to see that more, but you see the the ceiling. I mean, you see what he can – 47 points in a, in, a, in a playoff game. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, I, I get a really good defensive team, and you hear that I just mentioned Coach Quinn Snyder basically said, there's nothing we can do about it. We can't stop this guy – from getting in the lane, I, I just think the last part of his game, of course, is I, I think he, I think he needs to get a little bit better defensively. There's no question about that. And I think he will. Again, I don't know if he'll ever be a great defender, but I think he'll end up being a little bit better defender than he is now. I think the mid-range and three-point shot, once he gets even halfway consistent there, I, I think he's going to be legit, legitimately unguardable. Like, I, I don't think you're going to be able to, to stop him. I think he has... <laughs> And I, I hate to say this, but and because of people, I don't want, I want to sound like a homer or anything, but I think he could be a top five player in the NBA. Uh, I really do believe that, especially when a lot of these guys now are getting older, they're going to be either facing out of the NBA or not at in their prime anymore. I think he could be right there as, as one of the top five players in the league. And that's people got on him by saying top five point guard. I mean, he's looked like a top five point guard in this series. I mean, he hasn't always yeah. looked like that, but he's flashed that potential and, and I think he can do that consistently once he realizes that and once he works on that jump shot again I don't think you're going to be able to stop him and he has that mentality he's not a a, a timid guy he has the mentality that and, and that's, I think we learned that very early on in his career and that's what I love about him is you can see that superstar that he can go in to these modes he can flip a switch and when once he goes to that boat there's nothing you can do about it so again I think we can look up four or five years down the line now and he's a top five player in the NBA that wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I, I don't think that's that that's not out of the realm of possibilities for sure, man. He um that there was a picture, somebody posted a picture, and it's kind of like the uh the older guard fading out, and it had uh Trey, Ja, yeah, Tatum, and um man, who was the fourth? I can't even remember. Uh Luca. Luca, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, like as a changing of the guard in the NBA, man, and he he definitely deserves to be in that conversation. I will say this, and I may, I might get tore apart, but I think that Zion deserved to be in that picture, honestly, because even though the Pelicans have been bad, Zion is one hell of a basketball player, super athletic. The things that he does, you know, he embraced a new role this year, kind of doing the point forward point thing. Point guard thing, yeah. And, and it was super sloppy at first. You could tell that, you know, this is not natural for him. But by the end of the season, he was looking pretty good doing it. And so, yeah, he brings a lot to the table. And I know anytime that, that there's talk of John Morant and you get the butt Zion, that crap drives me nuts. But I'm all about, like, first and foremost, I'm a basketball fan. I love the Memphis Grizzlies, enjoy covering this team, but at the end of the day, I can watch any two teams play. The, I, it could be the Pistons and the Thunder. I can watch that game. Don't care. I love basketball, and I really like good basketball, and I think as Zion continues to develop, he's going to be one of, you know, obviously the league and ESPN and the mainstream media is pushing for him to be the new face of the league, and it's not because he doesn't have the skill set to do it. I, I think that he definitely does. So it, it's going to be fun to watch these guys. This uh, the changing of the guard as, as LeBron continues to age, and obviously still still one of the, the the best, probably the best player in the league right now. 
And, you know, Steph Curry is not getting any younger. There's a lot of these guys that have been the face and at the front of the, the league for a long time that we're going to start to see phase out. Yeah. And um, I, I would not be surprised at all if John Morant is one of the new faces. Yeah, but with, with me, with Zion, there, there's still two questions. I mean, you look at the numbers, and the numbers are phenomenal. Uh, the number one thing with Zion, I think that's that's always going to be a question mark is health. I mean, we've seen him at that size. Can he maintain his health playing at that size? I mean, I think that's always going to be a question. When we've always seen it in college. We've seen it since he's been in the NBA that, he, that he's had injuries. So I think that's one to watch. And another thing is, even though he puts up those phenomenal numbers, how much does that affect winning? How much does that help his teammates? I mean, we've seen guys in the past. I mean, Carmelo is a great example of that. He just put up these monster numbers his entire career, but he could never really get his teams out at any advance in the playoffs. And I think that's kind of something to watch with him as well, because you see him put up, and you see him and Ingram. They putting up. They, he has thirty-five. Ingram has thirty-two, and they're getting blown out. I mean, and, and it's a question with that team because it seems like they had enough talent to be better than they were uh, this season. And for some reason, they're just not. So I think that's kind of something to watch. But again, I mean, there's no doubt he's a phenomenal talent. And when he gets going, there's not much you can do to stop him. I'm just wondering how much that affects his, his teammates and how much does it make them better. That's kind of my thing with Zion. Yeah. But what, one, one quick thing I did want to touch on before we get out of here. Uh, Taylor Jenkins kind of went away from Kyle Anderson late in the game in, in that fourth quarter last night. What, what were your thoughts on that? I, I don't like it, to be honest. I mean, like, I, I'm... It was surprising to me. I, I mean, I, so, it's, I won't say that I don't like I like that he's making adjustments. I don't like that he went away from Kyle Anderson for a couple of reasons. Number one, Kyle is great defensively. Defensively. That's and the, and the, that's the where thing. you're struggling the most in this series is defensively. You're scoring points. You're do, you know, I, I think the Grizzlies have put up enough points to win in this series, they just haven't stopped enough. Yeah. Points. He's not got to stop. Yeah. And, and so, you know, even though Kyle does have shortcomings on the offensive end of the floor, he, he doesn't have to score to be effective on the offensive end. He had five assists in this game last night. Um, you know, just crafty, another ball handler, you know, great playmaking skills. He brings so much to the table. So in one aspect of it, of Jenkins playing based off of his gut and playing the feel of the game, loved it. Love that he's doing that. Love that he's showing the ability to make changes and not staying stuck in his roots. I'm going to do this and just this and only this and being very methodical about it. I love to see that. But on the other hand, when defense is your biggest strain in this series and one of your better defensive players is not on the floor, I, I'm not a big fan of that, man. That, that's... um, I. As much as I love JV, Jaron was not really in foul trouble. I think at the end of this game, for as ineffective as JV has been in this series, I think you got to you you got to run Jaron more minutes at the five. And beginning of this series, I definitely wouldn't have been saying that. Yeah. But over these last two games, there's been a massive swing. And again, if you know if the plus minuses are lying to me. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I'd have to go back and, and look up the stats of what the numbers are with these guys on the floor. But it looks like the Grizzlies' defense is significantly better when Jaron is playing the five because he's able – his athleticism allows him yeah. to make up for stuff. You, you go back – you look at the end of the game. 
Gobert had three dunks pretty close together in the fourth quarter there. All three of those dunks occurred when JV was on the floor because Gobert got behind him. JV was yeah, not he just doesn't have a foot speed to catch up. And that that has been JV in this drop defense. That that has been my issue with him all season. Brevin kind of shined a light on it that I didn't look at or I hadn't been looking at it. And that's why I'm glad we had him on. His mind is, is definitely more well versed whenever it comes to the game than yeah, mine. I mean, great. And so, you know. He, he was saying, yeah, you, you get frustrated at the, the mid-range and the stuff like that, but JV's doing what he's supposed to be doing. It, it just kind of looks rough. When you're watching it, it, it's tough to watch. And his athleticism has taken him out of quite a few plays. And in this series, you know, Gobert, the way that he cuts, he, you know, he'll slip the screen and cut. And he's had a ton of dunks in this series because JV just does not have the foot speed to keep up with him. And Jaron does. Whenever it comes to the post defense, you know, if they post Rudy up on Jaron, Rudy's going to probably muscle Jaron around because Jaron just doesn't have the doesn't have the meat on him yet. But at the end of the day, defense has been your issue. When I'm closing the game, I want, you know, obviously Ja is going to be out there, not for defensive purposes, but you got to have him on the floor. But the three other guys that I want on the floor at the end of the game, Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, and, and Jaron Jackson Jaren. Jr. You know, the, the fifth one, you know, Grayson, if he's hot, if not, Bain, you know, or, or Melton, you know, the way Melton was playing last night. Um, it, it's I was not a fan of him leaving Kyle off the floor for so long. But, again, it, it's, it's really a catch-22 because I know that he made that call because he was going off of his feeling of the game. And so it's good to see that, but I, I don't want Kyle off the floor. Yeah, it, it, it was surprising to me. I mean, I, I understand the thinking there. I mean, JV is your, your starting center. That's your, your, your two starting guys in the paint, Jared and, and JV. But like you said, JV is really struggled. And I think defensively in this series, they've been better with Jared and five, especially, especially in these last two games. I, I wouldn't have said that game one and game two, but these last game three and four, They've definitely been better with with uh, Jared at the five. And, uh, again, I just think Cal has been one of your trusted guys all year. And he's been really good in this, uh, in this series. I mean, getting steals, the length that he brings defensively, and that's been your issue. I mean, you had enough scoring on the floor. Um, it's not like JV is putting up big offensive numbers. Not like he's getting like in the 20s like he had been throughout the season. I, I just think Cal would have been the better player. there. I understand his thinking there. You want JV on the floor. I mean, he's your – your, your veteran guy, it's a playoff game, high leverage game, and he's one of your, quote, money players, if you want to say it like that. But I, I think he should have went with Kyle there. And it's, it's always hindsight 2020. I mean, you, you we're not out there on the sideline making these decisions um, in, the battle, in the playoff game. But looking at it from afar, I think I would have went with Kyle. That's, that would have been my decision. But we'll see, man. Game game five, he backs against the wall. I, I put this out on Twitter earlier. I wouldn't pick them to win this game. But it also wouldn't surprise me if we're back on Friday for game six at FedEx Forum. This team has performed really well with their backs against the wall, and this is kind of kind of what they've been. I mean, we saw them lose the, lose the game to Golden State to play in, come home, beat San Antonio, go back out there. Nobody expected them to win that game, even felt like they blew the game in regulation. And you, you're thinking, oh, well, this is it. I mean, they, they had the chance. They blown it. Going overtime is Steph Curry time, and nope. It was not Steph Curry time at all. The Grizzlies end up winning that game, and 
again. I mean, I, I wouldn't it, think was, it, but it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they came back and we're back here Friday for game six. Yeah, it was. Um, hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is John Morant time. John Morant time. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I, I, I will say this, and I'm fine going on record saying this. If the Utah Jazz take this game lightly, the Grizzlies will win this game. That because the Grizzlies are not going to quit. They're going no, out they're, there. They're no quitting this they thing. want to extend this series. The Grizzlies want to win this series. Every single one of these guys want to win this series. They're not going to lay down. So there's still work to do for the Grizzlies. The Jazz have got to bring it. Our, we will. We'll, we'll see more basketball at the Forum, and I'm kind of hoping for that. I would love to go back to another game at the Forum. I'm, I'm down to go to game six back in the, in Memphis on Friday. It'd be fantastic for them to get yeah. a, another opportunity for, for Grizz Nation to come out there, support these guys. You, you could see the attendance increase for that game if it if it does happen. And again, man, if you, you lose a series on the road, I think that's that's tough. Even if they come home to game six and they lose, I think that gives the, the Grizz fans the opportunity to show their appreciation for these guys for the year they've had because I think they deserve that. And I think I mean, it's rough, man. You lose it, close out the series on the road, man. You have to fly back home. And I mean, that's just a tough situation. Even if they, they lose, they were the force game six, they lose it here. I'd rather see it end like that than at the end in Salt Lake City because I think these guys deserve appreciation. Even if they lose, I mean, they're going to be people out at, at the airport when they come back, but it's not the same as getting one more game in front of these fans. So I'd love to see that. And these guys are not going to quit. I mean, we've seen from this team, there is no quitting this team. And like you said, if Utah takes this game lightly, what I think there's a possibility that they could because they just feel like, oh, we're, I mean, we're up 3 1. We're no one C. We just going to coast this one. We don't have to put in much effort. Grizz is going to pick them off if that happens. And I hope that's what we see. And hopefully we're right back at, at FedEx Forum on Friday night. Yes, sir. Man, it, it would. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> Dang, getting the best of me here. <laughs> it, it would be. Like that was, I went to the play the play in game, the Spurs play in game, and I've been to the forum whenever there were more fans than I think it was like uh like just like twelve thousand two hundred right around that range inside the forum last night for the game. I, I've been there when there's been more fans. I've never felt more energy. So you know we can talk to you about the energy in the forum during playoff basketball, but if you've never been there. I don't think that you really understand what it is because you you can you can see it you can feel it whenever you're watching on TV, but there, no, it's, there's it's not nothing the same like being there. man. No. It it was it was everything that I expected it to be and more last night for the for my first you know in person playoff game for the Grizzlies. So we'll get ready. You got anything else, man? No, man. That, that's it for me. All right, we're gonna get out of here, guys. We'll tell you about our partner here at Hootball. It is a MyBookie. MyBookie.ag is the best online sports book out there. Go over there, sign up, use the promo code HOOPBALL. They're going to match your initial deposit 50%. They have more lines and better odds than any other sports book. They're here for the players. Their motto is simple. It's you bet, you win, you get paid. They've got a full-service casino that is there 24 hours a day. It works in all 50 states. Go and check them out. Use our promo code HOOPBALL. Get your initial deposit match. Get that free money and go win some money. You can get the show on Twitter at HootballGrizz. I'm at DWill2111. Isaac, get us out of here as we head into Game 5. 
Yeah, man, you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals. Just as David said, go over, follow us at Hoopball Grizz, man. We really appreciate that. Hopefully, when we come back on here, we'll be discussing a big Grizz win and previewing game six. But even if not, man, we're we're going to have coverage through all throughout the summer. We've got a special guest. We're going to be talking a lot of NBA draft. Don't want to rush it, but I'm excited about that. Uh, hashtag get giddy about John, uh, Josh Giddy. But um, I, that, that's my guy. I'm going to preview that a little bit coming up. That's, that's my guy in the draft. I know he probably won't be there at 17, but we're going to talk about that a lot in the future. But again, man, make sure you join us here at Football Grizz. And we'll enjoy game five tomorrow night. And we'll be back here following that game. Until then, go Grizz. This has been a HoopBall presentation. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.